Welcome to Season 3 of the M-W Tactical Podcast. Sit back and enjoy the conversations with the mad scientist and myself as we discuss the sport of shooting, goals, training, and everyday life. You are listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. good people we're back at it again another installation of the m-w tactical podcast and this week's show is sponsored by soltech a company that does custom kydex work for your handguns your magazine pouches knife sheaths anything you need custom with kydex look up soltech now we also want to remind everybody that the south carolina sectional is taking place April 30th through May 2nd at Belton, South Carolina. Registration is open now. You can find this on practice score. Just look up South Carolina sectional and you'll see it. Sign up, come on out, have some fun with us. April 2nd through May, I mean, April 30th through May 2nd and let the fun begin. Like we said, registration is open. Now, without further ado, I'm going to bring in my buddy, the man with the plan, fast on the trigger, custom gun builder, <laughs> machinist. <Thank you. laughs> Keep going, pro- I like it. Yeah, he's probably a cook, <laughs> mechanic, oh, yeah. okay. provider. <laughs> but without further ado, yeah. my I'm main a, man. I gave up on a lawn maintenance. <laughs> the mad scientist himself, <laughs> Dave. Hold on, Dave. <laughs> hey, Mike. <laughs> I appreciate the intro. They keep getting longer. Hey, man, you know what I'm saying. Hey, when you got a title like yours, hey, that's all they're going to do. <laughs> Sometimes I don't want people to know everything that I can do. Then they want to start asking for help. And... Yeah, I, I, <laughs> trust me, I know how that. <laughs> so, like, actually, when I moved here to South Carolina, my whole game plan was not to let anybody know what I was capable of doing. Just so when they see me, it's just, hey. But then, of course, you know, after yeah. a while, the neighbors start really getting to know you and like, hey, can you come over and help with, you know, X, Y, Z? So, well, it's okay. I mean, we love to help, but just sometimes it, it's annoying at times. You have to be able to say no, which I've learned finally, which was, it, it was a difficult thing for me because, I, you know, I, I want to help anybody I can, but yeah. sometimes it just gets to be too much. <laughs> <laughs> it can be at times. I have to say no sometimes. Especially when somebody's taking advantage of the situation. So I can definitely understand how that can go at times. Well, I appreciate so, um, the intro. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So speaking of the intro, for let's take it back to last week um, before we go into this next topic I want to get right. to. Um, you actually listened to the conversation between Travis and myself and – what did you think of that overall conversation? Uh, it was, it meant a lot to me at the end of the, the, the interview you were doing, Travis, um, you, and yourself started saying such great things about me. I, I, <laughs> I listened to it, uh, on my lunch break today at work and I actually, I played it like two or three times just because the, the comments were, were great. I mean, they were brief, and, and but it meant a lot to me um, coming from you guys, coming from Travis, who's a 
national and world champion shooter, you know, saying how he thinks I'm a great shooter. And, and it's just the great things that he was saying about me and the stuff you were saying about me. Um, very thankful for it. And it's um, humbling, I, I guess, man. I, I don't know. I appreciate it very much. And it, it motivates me. It makes me feel good about what I'm doing and motivates me to keep pushing and keep going after more. Yeah. So you got to give credit where credit is due. So I don't think you give yourself enough credit where it's deserving because it was just like, when was that one time was it was either this year or last year, whatever match you was at, you had a bad stage and then you left the match and still came in third place or something like that. Oh, that was early in the year. The Florida swamp challenge or something like Like in January or something. Yeah. Um, I I was talking to coach B about that. And and I even told her, like, I don't think he realizes how good he really is because he doesn't look at it from that perspective. But when you just don't do one stage and you still come in third place, how much of a lead did you have, first of all? <laughs> and, you know, because it was still like some well-rounded shooters there. Yeah, there were, I didn't expect it. So I the second to last stage, I had a squib on. Hmm. So I I'm pretty sure I zeroed that stage. I, I'm, I may have had like a 1% hit factor or something. It was pretty close to zero if, if it was anything. And then the, uh, for some reason, the way the, 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 the squatting was going, we were, or match flow just kind of sucked toward the, toward the end there. And we were, we were on the last stage uh, waiting on like two squads ahead of us. And, you know, I'm six hours away from home. I had just zeroed the previous stage. I was like, man, there's, there's no point in me even staying here. I'm going to leave now and get a head start going home, yeah. get home a little earlier. Yeah, well, like I said, when I looked at that and after you had told me that, I was like, wow, that's still remarkable to me. You know? <laughs> I, I, didn't ex- I didn't expect it at all. That's why I left. I was like, there's no point in me staying here. <laughs> well, um, obviously, you didn't realize. <laughs> How much of a lead you really have? No, I, no, I, I don't ever look at scores and stuff because I, it's fun, you know, to win matches and stuff, but that's not really why I shoot. It, it, um, competing with myself and, and want to, I don't just perform, you know, the, the, the way that I've been practicing and training and I will perform to my current skill level is, is what I try to do and, when I don't perform to my current ability, I get kind of down on myself about it, but. Yeah, I can understand uh, that one, how that one can go. Well, you know, outside of that, I do want to say thank you for your contribution to the sport and keep pushing yourself because like I said, you are better than what I think you think you are, you know, even though you don't look at it like that, but just like you, um, for me to do competition shooting, the battle is within myself you know so it's one of those type measures when you look at certain things and then of course you know we pick and tease at each other you know like when we do the competitions and everything yeah, but sure. it's just the push push yourself well, that's part of it yeah but um i also want to give thanks to the people listening in the following areas um we have listeners in canada ireland the united kingdom australia kuwait germany <laughs> norway wow puerto rico 
Bahrain, New Zealand, Belgium, Finland, and Singapore. My goodness. Uh, so um, like the word is out there about the M-W Tactical Podcast. And I do want to say thank you to the people who listen to us in the various locations outside of the United States. But most importantly, thank you to everyone who actually listens to us within the United States as well. So, oh my gosh, that's, that means so much too. A lot of those countries you just mentioned have super strict gun regulations. Yes. <laughs> yes. And these people are listening to our podcast talking about shooting. <laughs> it's, oh man, that's fantastic. Thank you guys. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know what's going on in your countries. I haven't been there, but. <laughs> well, maybe we could do um, a world tour one day. <laughs> Actually do a show in every one of those different locations. That, we, they don't allow guns there. We can't go there. <laughs> I mean, we, we can go there with the microphone and the recording. <laughs> like I said, just do a podcast there and um, actually talk about various different things around shooting in our perspective of being in another country and, you know, comparing it, you know, face to face versus what we read about, you know. Well, that would be interesting. It would definitely be interesting to to check that out. Yeah, I think I think it would be pretty interesting. You know, so outside of that, we also got to prepare for the Florida State or the Florida section that's coming up this weekend because obviously we record the show a week behind. So we're going to be shooting the Florida section Saturday, but by the time this comes out, we'll already be back home to listen to the show. You know, so we can get everybody's perspective in the comments. Yeah, so this is a fun match. It used to be for the last four, three or four years, it was the Florida Invitational, what was it? FIPT, Florida Invitational, FIPT? Yeah, Florida Invitational Pistol Tournament, I think which came i think it was something that started in the 80s in the area and it kind of went away and manny and gorka at, at what uh extreme gm picked it back up a few years ago and it was always like a crazy like circus match kind of thing if you if you know what i mean by that like some of these weird stages with like roller coaster things that you sit in and shoot from moving platforms and just weird crazy stuff that i normally don't like to see in major matches mm -hmm. but this one i knew that's what i was going into and it, i loved finishing my year with this match because it was it's it's a level two match but it really doesn't mean anything like it's not a, a section championship or previously it was not a section or a state championship. It didn't, if you won or lost, it didn't matter. It, it was just fun. It was a lot of crazy props and just a lot of fun, just like-minded people getting it together, having a great time shooting. But it started losing some interest, I, I think, over the last year or so because it was so like kind of circus oriented <laughs> I don't, that's just a term that i've heard people say before when it comes to like crazy stages and stuff and the turnout started getting less and less and i, I think this year they they've kind of you know lessened some of the, the circus prop kind of thing and took on the section 
championship is what they call it now. So it's more standard stages, nothing super crazy as far as props go. I will miss the roller coaster. That was one of my favorites. <laughs> well, <laughs> when I was looking at the diagrams of the stages, nothing seemed too crazy. Everything was pretty much start anywhere you want to start coming out the holster. Yeah. And the only thing weird that I remember is one or two stages by the diagram had a long shot to the target to activate the swinger. But it was the same thing that we saw at nationals this year. Yeah. The diagram yeah. From what I've seen. So, and you know, the diagram, what you see on the diagram and once you get there in person, it's two totally different. Yeah, they're never the same. Point. Yeah. You, you at least get some kind of idea what to expect, but yeah. So, so looking forward to it. Um, I was on Facebook earlier today, and of course, when I looked at it earlier today, they had stage one set up. And looking at stage one in the picture I seen compared to what they had in the matchbook, it the matchbook made it look like it was more spread apart more running than it really is compared to the, the real life picture, you know, so. Most of the, I believe most of the bays they have there are, are smaller than what, than what we saw at Universal Shooting Academy. Right. So, so they shouldn't be too terribly spread out with a, a lot of running. Well, I mean, I don't mind the running. The, I think that's what kind of makes the match. It's a good balance if you ask me, because just standing there taking two or three steps and continue to shoot, that can be fun, depending on the stage layout. But oh, sure, it can. You know, I find more enjoyment off of literally running from one point to the next point and still shooting in the process. Yeah, there needs to be a balance. Um, I do want to um, share the roller coaster stage from 2017 at this match if I can. Yeah, yeah, go for it. <laughs> let me find it real quick. I got it. Uh, let me see. This is, <laughs> this is, that's, oh, that's not it. This was, um, first time I shot this match, I was shooting carry optics. Right. And, um, here it is. Yeah. All right, so <laughs> this is, I don't, I've never done anything like this. And this is one of the things that I really liked about it. Um, let me see if I can share the video. So going to let me do it. It won't do it again? I, I think it will. There you go. There you you go. got a screen share? Yes, sir. So the, you, this track here, if you can see it for our YouTube guys, um, there's a roller coaster track and then, the, the, the way it works, you get into this cart and um, you have an RO in the cart with you and there's barely enough room for both of you. But oh man. <laughs> when you, when you checked in uh, registration, you had to stand on a, a scale and weigh yourself and they recorded your weight. And when you got to this stage, they would apply extra uh, like steel weights to make the, the, overall weight the same for every competitor so it would it would oh. move you know about approximately about the same speed gotcha um because you had a lot of disappearing targets you started all the way up front 
and I'll, I'll get it going here. This was my view, like doing my walk. This is the walkthrough. Like <laughs> you didn't get a chance to actually walk through it beforehand. They wouldn't let you do it, but you got in the cart all the way at the end and then they pushed you up toward the front and then you could look at targets as you're walking up and I'm looking at stuff here and there's a, like a, somebody's pushing the cart right now. Yeah. We're going up and it's going to, you're going to lock it in place right here. And uh, there's the RO <laughs> and there's Manny down there. He's locking the thing in place. And um, yeah, there's the whole, the whole section right there. And uh, with, with the whole track and all these targets are disappearing. So when the, when you hear the buzzer, you actually, you activate or you release that cart that you're standing in with like a little lever, you hit the lever and then you draw your gun or, or whatever, however you want to manage the, the release of it. And then you start shooting, all, there's a plate rack right there. So I, I engage that first before I release the, the lever and actually started moving. And then you're just swinging back and forth, doing all these transitions, trying to hit all these targets before they disappear. Oh, wow. Well, here's the plate rack. Then you hit the lever. And then the roller coaster starts going. I did a reload. <laughs> oh, so it's going backwards from what you. Yeah, and then it's speeding up the whole time. <laughs> and how fast did it take to reset that stage? <laughs> it was. Uh, I don't, it was just interesting. It was just something that I don't. You don't. You don't get to do that stuff very often. Yeah, it looks different, but fun at the same time, I guess you could say. Yeah. Well, let's take a quick commercial break and come on back and let's talk a little bit about nutrition, fitness, and the journal we talked about last week. And let's get some perspective on that. All right. So please right. stay in your seats and here are a few words from our sponsors. Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunter's HD Gold. If you've never tried Hunter's HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm going to be. Come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. Find out why shooters across the United States are changing to Hunter's HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use, and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com, and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon. JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high quality Hermit Oak leather, securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer Bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic holster is available in four different models fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your relic today at jm4tactical.com. Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. 
The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business, and I look forward to seeing you soon. All right, good people. We're back at it again. And we just got finished talking about an interesting stage that Dave did last year, or not too long ago in Florida, where he was on a roller coaster and shooting. <laughs> so... Did anybody ever think about the perspective of the weight distribution? Because it had to have been the same RO unless they weigh two different ROs to compensate for that weight. But at the same time, did anybody make the argument, if I was to run the stage, I will run faster, physically run faster than this person? Oh, well, the, no. Because when you, you know, when you, when you registered for the, or you checked into the match that you had to stand on the scale and they recorded your weight right. on that scale and they tried to make the weight of that platform as easily or as even as possible. And it was the same RO the whole time. And the whole match was, was for fun, really. I mean, it was a prize match, but mm -hmm. you know, we, we, nobody was going after a national title or state championship or anything it's just it, it was just a really fun match that I, I loved ending the ending the year the year on well like i said i, I never did a match whereas i was in a roller coaster before no I, yeah, so i never done that before but i was that was the only one i've ever <laughs> looking at a couple local matches thinking that in this area it will be more matches where you're on like that balancing bridge when you step on it it's constantly moving mm -hmm. but I have yet to do a match here. I think I only done one match here in South Carolina since I started doing competition shooting and done anything like that. So that's the wildest thing I've ever done on um, a match. But I think there is one stage coming up in Florida this weekend with a stage like that with a balancing bridge. Oh, okay. Sand Hills has one of those. Um... I yeah, don't know I if you shot it there. Oh, yeah, have I you think, seen it? Yeah, I think that was the one time I did it, and it was one time. <laughs> and I can't remember exactly what took place with that stage. I got to go back through the videos and actually see it to jog my memory. But I I see it out there every time I go. It's just sitting in the open area. So yeah. I to use it because I think they was using it for when they was doing three gun. And it was one of those okay. those props out there. And then, of course, hey, let's just use it for USPSA. So you ever shot from horseback? Uh, <laughs> I've only been on a horse one time in my life. <laughs> so this was it was another uh, prop stage. Um, it wasn't a real horse. It was a wooden horse hanging on chains right. similar to that platform. Mm -hmm. You know how it would swing back and forth? But right. you're sitting on a wooden horse and you, while the, the horse is moving. You have to shoot from, 
either side of the horse's head and engaged, you know, steel poppers and targets and stuff. It was <laughs> just another silly stage, man. But the weirdest stage I've ever done was at East Alabama Gun Club there in um, the Phoenix City, Alabama area, close to Fort Stewart, whereas it was a Halloween match and the stage outline was something along the lines of you had shackles like on your hands around well around your wrists rather and i can't remember if it was one hand or two hands i think it was probably one hand no no it started off with two hands you had to take it off of one hand one hand stayed chained but it kind of prevented your movement but okay you had to engage it with the chain and then the way you were standing in the cage, you couldn't fully extend your arm out because you had to be like (laughs) on a box or something like it it was something weird, but it put everybody at a disadvantage. So it wasn't like a shorter person had a distinct advantage over me being taller. I've I've seen something like that. I don't know if it was like the world shoot, maybe a couple of years ago, there was something everybody was like had, I don't know if it's handcuffs or whatever, but then you you had to like manipulate around walls and stuff while you were chained to this you know short leash. You had to do reloads and I don't. It was interesting. Yeah, so that was like the weirdest one I've um, done. But once again, I can't remember it clearly. I can tell you clearly, I didn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) I've never done one like that. That would be limiting for sure. Yeah. And the only thing, it, it just frustrated me because it restricted me in a way, whereas it induced stress that I wasn't wanting to have, you know? So well, that was another thing that I really like about this match. The the FIPT is what, what this used to be. It was stuff that you would never practice. Right. Like you, there's no, you go into this and no one, you know, if you're doing for instance, if you're if you're working on stronghand weekend stuff, which you know is kind of a unique situation for us, you don't do a whole lot of it, but you can go home and practice it. You cannot go home and practice uh, shooting from horseback on this <laughs> on this wooden horse hanging from chains, or or shooting backwards, you know, on a roller coaster that's rolling backwards down this track. It's just you have to figure it out right there, right then and there. You don't get a, you don't get any time to practice it. Or for, uh, it was uh, it's interesting. It's, well, it was fun. The weirdest thing I do in dry fire is, and I only do it just joking around. I don't do it seriously, like two or three repetitions, going up and down the stairs in my house. So I'll look at like yeah. the wedge in the door, like the hinge on the door, and I'm aiming at that as I'm coming down the stairs. So if I'm going up the stairs, I'm focused on a spot on the wall or something like that. You know, just giggles you know like something we did in the military you know entering clearing a building (laughs) yeah why not that's that's i don't know i've done that before too it's um just working on um you know staying stable keeping your keeping your body low keeping your sight stable right that's all it is now another thing i want to talk to you about and you actually brought it up nutrition yeah and you know like i said man i am not one that is a healthy eater. Now, when you actually see me out in public, I do try to eat healthy because I'm eating outside of the house. But 
when I'm in the house, I would prefer to cook my meals, but I am not the healthiest eater out there because I do listen to my body when it's time to eat. But when I get a craving for sugar, oh man, those green gummy frogs. Those things are really good. <laughs> man, man, that's my go-to right there. You know, so, um, but you, you did express that you didn't want to link up with Travis. Talk with Travis about the nutritional efforts when it comes to competition shooting. I do. And, you know, it's, I, I got a couple of reasons behind it, but I, I just want to do it for myself personally. I want to, I, my wife and I were, were big into physical fitness for years. Um, you know, when we met and for first five years or so we were runners, we, we competed a lot in, in um, like 5k races and, and just diff different stuff. We did some charity stuff and just a lot. We, we were runners. We ran a lot. We exercised a lot and, and, we were in pretty good shape and we tried to eat well. And for some reason, when we moved back to, uh, here to Aiken and uh, we, we just kind of got out of it, not on purpose. It's just different, you know, I don't know, different situations and we just kind of got out of it. And mm -hmm. um, I want, I want to do that for myself personally, but um, I, at nationals, uh, the third day, you know, like I, we mentioned uh, a couple episodes ago that um, the third day was just was rough on me. I was fatigued mentally and physically. Um, and I don't want that to happen again um, next year at nationals. I want to be fully prepared. I want to be able to shoot for two weeks straight if I had to, you know, and I want to be comfortable enough going into it, knowing that I can do that. Um, I had the the last match I shot in Charleston. We did the um, the it was a Toys for Tots charity match in Charleston last weekend, and um, I usually bring some some snacks with me, some food and stuff to you know just to snack on um, you know throughout the day if if you know if I start feeling hungry for whatever reason I forgot to bring anything with me, and I'm on the last stage, I was walking up to the stage we, you know, we were, the squad was finished the previous stage and I was going over to the next one. And I started feeling kind of lightheaded. Mm. Like I, I wasn't, I wasn't all there. I just started feeling bad because I, I didn't eat, you know, and I, the nutrition thing is starting to affect me and, and cause problems for me and my shooting. And I want to take care of that. I want to, I want to straighten that out. And Travis has started offering some personal training with the options of, uh, fitness and nutrition is, is being one of the things that, that he is would like to cover. Cause he's real big on, uh, I think he does a lot of, um, weightlifting and he's real big on the nutrition kind of side of things. Mm -hmm. And um, he has seen where it helps has helped him um, with his shooting, in, you know, life and life in in general. Right. Um, but that's something that I want to to get more into um, for, for the next year, and um, hopefully take care of that and get, get in a little better shape, get a little you know, yeah, a little healthier. And one thing I do is when I eat, my eating habits are strange to a lot of people but i eat smaller portions when i eat but i eat more meals throughout the day you know because i don't believe in just putting a whole bunch of food on a plate 
eating it three times a day, you know? And I started doing that my second time in Iraq because the cafeteria was always open and you can eat 24 hours a day if you wanted to. So what I started doing, because we was always on the go or when we come back, the main line was closed, but you can go in and make a sandwich or whatever. So literally what I would do is I would grab something small and I just, it just stuck with me ever since I came back. Whereas I'll snack on something here, eat a meal, then I'll snack again a few hours later and then eat like a smaller meal. And I just do it throughout the day. And, but at the same time, I do believe in eating a lot of vegetables and a lot of fruits, Mm -hmm. but a lot of fruits, I don't eat fruits all the time because when I was younger, my grandmother used to always tell me, eat fruit instead of eating the cookies or the sweets, right? So now, of course, when I was in the military, whenever we would do something, because our activity was real physical back then, and you was always on the go, I would eat more fruit. But I remember reading something that somebody became a diabetic from just eating too much fruit. But it's that old saying that too much of anything makes you an addict. So there's a lot of sugar in fruit still. It's better than the green frog sugar, but (laughs) there's still a lot of sugar in there. If you're going to eat too much of it, you could still get too much sugar. Yeah. So once, you know, like, just like anything else, you just have to find out the sweet median between what you want to do. And of course, when I start working out, um, I would not eat anything after eight o'clock, you know, because I believe you're, system is when it's digesting it's literally like it's working your system but if it's nothing in there it's not working as hard you know versus going yeah. to bed on a full stomach or you just ate a burger or something like that you know so i have a different take on nutrition just like i said last week whereas you can eat anything you want you just have to be cognizant of the decisions you make on working out if that's the route you're going to take because if you're not eating healthy and you want to eat a lot of junk food, just understand you have to work out twice as hard versus somebody who is eating healthier and doing the right thing when it comes to nutrition. I don't know much about it. So I'm hoping to get in touch with, uh, with Travis after, after we get through Christmas and um, things settle down around the house. I'm going to talk with him and we're going to try to figure out some from fitness and, and nutrition plan. And uh, I'm hoping to, you know, really dive into that and spend some more time with that. Yeah. And um, I just think in general, you know, it'll, it'll help me feel better and it will in turn help my shooting. And, and he's a, you know, world champion shooter. So he'll hopefully will be able to kind of approach fitness and nutrition and, and, with keeping shooting in mind, because that's, you know, that's, that's what we're after. That's what our goal is. Now, what is your normal fitness routine looks like? Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Oh, so <laughs> <laughs> no. it's, uh, I, I have, you know, well, no, I've, I, I bought an elliptical recently and, and my plan has been to get some more, um, some more time on that. And I have a, uh, like a, a, I don't know what you get the all in one weight bench set. Um, was that solo flex or 
No, I can't afford that one. But (laughs) I don't know. It has a bunch of different... um, It's like an L-shaped corner unit. It has a bunch of different weights. It's a really cool system. I found it. Somebody on uh, one of Facebook was selling it or something. Was it a Chuck Norris workout bench? Was it that one? Where it uses like your own body weight to work? No, this one has weights. It's like a centered weighted system and you pull the pin in and out, add weight or reduce weight or whatever. But um, anyway, I, there has been times where I've, you know, I've been pretty steady with that um, and, in you know, using the weights and, and doing some, some cardio stuff. Um, we like, like I mentioned earlier, when my wife and I used to run a lot, we, we had a treadmill. Um, we were pretty steady on cardio with the treadmill and um it really got to be too much on my knees actually um the running um you know on asphalt concrete that kind of thing it just it got to be a little it 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 hurt yeah (laughs) so um you know it was just that may have led to part of the reason that we kind of got out of it but um, the elliptical thing I'm, and hoping, you know, you still do tremendous cardio with that. And I, you know, I've been starting to try to build up and use it. That is super strenuous, which I kind of like, you don't have to spend an hour on the elliptical to really get some, some work out there. Um, gosh, I don't even know if it would be possible for me to stay on that thing for an hour. <laughs> it's tough. Well, when it comes um, to fitness and running, um, I used to like running hills, not so much running distance, but how hard and how, how fast you can run up a hill. And I try yeah. to find the steepest hill I can find and just run it. And I remember one day I was in somebody's backyard, just running up the hill and the guy came out, Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm running. Shut up. <laughs> I'm just exercising. And he's like, Oh, well, okay. I was just wondering, have fun. <laughs> and tell me to get off the property or anything. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. But I think he realized what I was doing because I kept going back and forth up and down the hill. But it was the steepest hill in the neighborhood. But he never ran me off or anything. And I used to go over there like three or four. This was when I was stationed in Georgia. And uh, it'd be like three or four days a week, especially like when it was time to get ready for a PT test. So, and I would push harder a couple of weeks before a PT test. And um, he, he never told me to leave him alone or get out of his yard or anything. So as far as running, I mean, I could always run. I just didn't like it as much. But running a hill, I felt that was more rewarding for me. Um, and then also riding a bicycle. You know, mm-hmm. I found that to be the better cardio because now it's really low impact on your knees. It is, yeah. yeah. And you're actually getting that full body workout in a sense. I did that too. Um, when I lived in Columbia, they have some really nice, um, mountain bike trails and, um, I got into mountain biking for a while and now I really enjoyed that. Um, I was hoping that I could get my wife into that too. Mm. And I bought her a bike and bikes, not so good for her. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) um, Oh, man. I don't know. Did you ever um, run? Uh, have you ever been to Fort Gordon, uh, the army base here in Augusta? I've only been on Fort Gordon one time and it was the drop off like three or four soldiers. And so once I dropped them off, I just left. I didn't do anything on it. 
So we did um, for years, we did a 5k every month at, at Fort Gordon. Mm-hmm. And um, there are a lot of hills there. Um, and the, I don't, the way that they have, they're not barracks, but they, you know, have housing on site there. Um, I guess for the officers, where, where the officers live and whatnot. But we would run around there a lot. And there was a lot of really steep hills. And um, they would always have some sort of theme for the month, just something to make it fun. You get a t-shirt and then we, uh, my son started running with us at, and uh, he was probably like 10 years old at the time, but we did a, a they called it a poker run mm-hmm. and you would have these different stops and there'd be a couple soldiers out there with these giant playing cards and you'd pick up a card from them. And as you're running around throughout the, the 5k, you're picking up these different cards and you're trying to make the best poker hand at the, but by the time you get to the end of the race mm-hmm. and the winning poker hand, you know, wins a prize or, you know, or something. And that was kind of neat. As my son and I were running around, we were finishing up like the last mile or so. The soldiers started running with us and like helping my son out with his, with his deck, like seeing what he had. And they were pulling, pulling cards out and trying to give him the best hand. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was, there was something we used to run a lot and that was, that was a good place to do it. It was, it was a lot of fun. Now, when I got out of the military, I wasn't in the best shape I should have been in because I had a profile where I couldn't do anything. And then certain people was really enforcing the profile. But when I took my last PT test, I actually maxed out the last PT test. But in the same breath, you know, moving forward, as far as working out, when I got out of the military in 2018, that's when I started doing jujitsu every day. You know, so I would go. That's a workout. Yeah. Like, and some of those days, depending on what was going on, like a tournament or something that was coming up, I would do two a days. So I would go back to the gym and do another class, you know. And I felt really good doing that, you know. But then when it's, I started getting into firearms full time, now it started taking away from my working out, you know, with the extra traveling and everything like that. Now my eating started getting bad because when you're traveling, okay, you'll see like a Chick-fil-A on the side of the road. Hey, let me just stop and get a sandwich. Not thinking it's going to do any harm for you, but before you know it, you don't eat six Chick-fil-A sandwiches in one weekend. <laughs> you know? well. but, um, like I said, they, that year when I was doing jujitsu every day, man, I was like in good physical shape, but I don't feel like I was gun ready in that year, even though I was in good physical shape, you know? Because whenever you do something, like, you got to commit to one thing, right? And if guns was going to be the main topic, jiu-jitsu couldn't be the main thing. So, no. You know, but at that point in time, jiu-jitsu was number one for me. Guns was number two. And then it flipped rows. And so, now um, yeah. what I'm doing is I'm actually going back into the gym and I'm working with the trainer right now to um, actually build muscle, like, around my knee and my leg area so um i can get a little bit limber far as movement so i can get in and out of positions a little bit easier and then at the same time i'm um, just focused on my core strength right because it's tremendous for what we yeah. do yeah so all your movement is going to be from the core area so i'm trying to build the core up and leg muscles up so i can get that fluid movement down pack so that i totally understand what you're saying i um you know, I mentioned I have that, that 
you know, home gym thing and elliptical. And I was working with that stuff pretty regularly early on in the year. And, um, or it may even be been towards the end of last year, because this year I really started shooting a lot more major matches. And I always felt like I was preparing for the next major match. So when I'd get up in the morning, um, you know, I spend about an hour, hour and a half or so before work. Um, previously, I was I was doing, some, you know, working out, doing some cardio stuff, and I'd throw in a little bit of dry fire. Mm-hmm. But because I started sh- scheduling myself and shooting a lot more major matches, I always felt like I needed to focus more on the dry fire, on the shooting part of it. And I let the, the physical fitness part of it kind of go to the wayside because I was always preparing for a match and I always wanted to spend more time with the gun in my hand. Right. And I'm, I'm going to try to do something a little bit different this year. I want to spend some more time on the physical fitness side, try not to neglect my dry fire, um, you know, my shooting training, but, you know, kind of let it, let it lean more toward the physical side. And, and I'm planning on, probably shooting less major matches this year and kind of try to get my, my body back, um, you know, where I'd like for it to be. Now, let me ask you, do you think someone who does what we do, if the physical fitness aspect is more important or the gun portion is more important, or do you think it varies between people? Mm-hmm. i think well it it definitely i think it varies for sure but i think it between people yes probably but i think it also varies between where you are in in your shooting um and where you would like to be with your shooting i think when you're first getting into this the the physical aspect of it is really not important much at all because you really need to focus on the gun handling, uh, gun manipulation. And if you don't know how to shoot a pistol, I mean, whether you can run 30 miles an hour or not, doesn't really matter if you don't know how to aim a gun and pull the trigger straight. Um, so those things really need to be focused on to begin with, I believe. Once you figure out that stuff, you know, then you might want to look at, you know, some more of the physical side of it. But there were some, I don't know, less physically fit people that are still tremendous shooters and have great success uh, in our sport. It's just, it's another part of it. Um, You know, it's not, I don't know, it's not so detrimental if you're not super fit athlete that you're going to just be a failure as a shooter. That's not the way it is, but it will help you for sure. But um, it's just kind of where I'm at right now. It's just kind of what I want to focus on. I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with my shooting ability. You can always learn more and you can always get better with shooting. Right. Um, no matter what level you are, but it's just the, the physical fitness part of it, nutrition part of it is kind of something I want to focus on for, for the upcoming year. Yeah. One thing that I have noticed if you look at the people who have won first, second, and third at all these major matches, 
normally it's roughly the same group of let's say six to seven people mm, they're in pretty good shape aren't they and they're all in pretty good shape <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so and that just goes to show that being in shape plays as an important role as understanding and actually maneuvering the firearm right which entails entails rather nutrition so it balances off of each other in a sense of speaking yeah it's something that um i've been neglecting in it not intentionally really i was just thinking about it the other day and i said like, why have i gotten out of the the physical part of it so much it's and it's because of you know, I, I really didn't do it on purpose, but I, I felt like my time that I, that I had set aside for practice and, and exercise and that sort of thing, I felt like it was more important for me to focus on the gun handling and getting prepared for the next match because I always had a, a major match coming up. I was shooting so many of them. Hmm. And, you know, I, I'm just going to make, make some changes and um, for next year and, and do something a little different. And, I, you know, with that being said, I, I shot a lot more major matches this year than I, than I ever have. And I feel like I learned more this year than I ever have. Okay. Hey, this is Brian Conley with Hunter's HD Gold, and you are listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please, go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-W Tactical. The gun cleaners. Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially with concealed carry. The gun cleaners. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there. The gun cleaners. And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result is another, and you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there. Order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com. I'm Jason Pratt, Masterclass USPSA shooter, owner of Brass Monkey Bullets. If you're interested in competition bullets, visit www.brassmonkeybulletsllc.com or call me at 423-967-1063. For more information, my email is brassmonkeybulletsllc at gmail.com. Thank you. So um, now, by you shooting more major matches, and like I said, for me, this year alone, I've shot, this will be like the seventh major match I shot this year. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know the difference because, but last year I was only doing local matches and I think I did um, Battle at the Beach. 
last year. That was the only major match I'd done in mm-hmm. North Carolina. You know, whatever was close, that's the only thing I'd done yeah. last year. But this year, like I said, this will be seven. I'm going into it. You actually keep a journal. I, I actually got the journal. But what's your experience with the journal and how do you feel it's helping you? So so here's the journal um, for YouTube, guys. It's the, it's the mental management journal or performance analysis is actually what's on the cover here. But it's um, what we got through um, Steve Anderson's uh, mental management course that we took earlier in the year. And um, it, I think I mentioned it maybe last season or something, but my wife picks on me about it. She calls it my diary. Yeah. And, and <laughs> you know, and I don't care, whatever. It's not a diary, but uh, she wants to call it. That's fine. <laughs> I'm a better shooter than she is. So I don't care. <laughs> so I ended up getting the, the journal as well. I was about to call it the diary. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that <laughs> it does up, make it sound bad <laughs> <laughs> so i ended up getting the journal as well and when i first got it i was logging in everything so the date firearm was purchased whenever i did something different to the firearm i was making date and notes to it i do believe that helps because in the event you forget what pound recoil spring that you actually use and you was already weighing two different ones is written down for you. So mm-hmm. that helps you out. I'm a firm believer in that. And I have been doing that ever since I've, I make a change. I hit that journal and I put it, write it down. I jot it down every time. But when it comes to shooting matches, I think I probably got in the journal is less than 10 matches if it is 10. But I think when I was writing in the journal, the next time I went to go shoot, I was focusing more on the mishaps I had from the previous match, carrying it over to the new match. So I stopped writing in the journal, and now I started talking more about what was taking place. I don't know if I can see it. Yeah, I can see or it. If you can see it. Yeah. So this is um, all the m- entries that I have from when we uh, since we took the class. I don't know how many of it is. I'd, 20 or so way more um, than me and i understand where you're coming from with that i totally do um, i have found great use from this journal mm-hmm. but i have also struggled with the same kind of things if i have a bad match so so you really need to take steve anderson's course and he's actually offering them online now uh mental management and it's not just for the shooting sports. It, it can really benefit you throughout your whole life and whatever is important to you. Um, you know, this mental management course that he teaches can help you, but we're using it for, for improving our shooting. And um, if I have really struggled occasionally with that same thing that you mentioned, having positive information to write in there. And that's the whole point of the journal to be positive the entire time you you get so much negativity just from talking to people at matches um well yeah in life in general man i don't know people seem to want to be negative about everything lately but Mm -hmm. the point of it is is having positivity in this book so you can go back and look at it and when you had a good match 
when you did something well, it's in there, it's documented. So you can go look and see what you did at this point in time, at this match, at this stage, whatever it is, what went well, what you were thinking about, what you did to help help the stage go well. And then it reminds you of, of your, you know, your where you were at that point in time. And, you know, hopefully you can go back and, and remind yourself, you know, this, this, well, this is what I did. This is what, this is what I need to keep doing. Cause this worked for me at the previous match is, you know, this is what I need to keep doing and, and, you know, making notes of that kind of thing. But I have struggled with that same thing too. If I come back from a match that I haven't been happy with, like at nationals, I was not happy with my performance. I did not write down my national performance in the journal for like three weeks after I got back from nationals. Normally I'll, after a match, um, the next day or two, I'll, I'll go into the journal and I'll record my information and, um, you know, write down, write down what, what took place. But I was just so disappointed in myself and my performance on that third day at nationals. I didn't know what to write because that was all I could think about right. was the, was the negativity and that doesn't go in the journal. That, that doesn't go into books. So I was like, well, I'm not, I, I can't write in it right now because that's all I can think about. So I stayed away from the journal. <laughs> right. and, 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 you know, I continue to think about what took place. And I, I just really had to process some things more, and, um, thoughts more, and, and think about things more until, you know, I found the, the, the positive aspects of what happened at, at the national championship. And, and I was able to, you know, just mentally, you know, be a little more relaxed and, and calm about it and actually go and, and write down the, the good things that, that happened, the good stuff that, that took place there, um, stuff that, that needs to go in the journal to remind me, um, you know, to, to help me learn, you know, from, from what happened in a positive way. And, and, and that's important. Positivity in the journal. Yeah, I think um, I get the same feedback when I look at my videos. But of course, when I'm looking at my videos, if I'm doing something right, I'll give myself the accolades. Okay, this was great. But then if I'm not doing so well, and it's okay, or needs improvement, now I'm sitting there beating myself up. Oh, I could have done this. I could have done that differently. Just like sure, that one video sure. that I showed you, whereas I stated, I shouldn't have went all the way into the corner, but because I was trapped in the moment, I naturally went all the way to the corner when I should have stopped and looked, saw the targets. And then when I faded back over, it put me in line with the other targets I should have shot versus mm -hmm. taking that extra step. Wasted energy. That, that's how I looked at it. But look, Travis mentioned that I listened to um, the, the podcast with Travis's interview and he mentioned the same thing. Mm -hmm. And this is what needs to go in the journal. You realize that. Right. Looking at your video and, and thinking about how you shot that stage. That's the positive aspect of, of, of that particular scenario mm -hmm. that you, you saw a, a room for improvement right there and you know what you need to do next time. Right. That's, you know, sometimes it's hard for, for me to think that way too, because you, you think initially, Oh God, dog, I screwed up. I should have done this. Right. But 
stepping back, looking at it, and just looking at the exact same video from a different viewpoint is that was not the way I needed to do it. But now I know what I need to do in similar situations. Right. And it was just like when we had a conversation on the range one day, we was talking about stage planning and I can't remember who we was talking with. And the person actually looked at me and stated that I've gotten way better with stage planning. And I, pretty much what I said was I'm running every option through my mind and I narrow it down to like the best two to three options I want to do within my capability of running. Yeah. Yeah. Because Dave doing it this way, I might do one or two things that Dave is doing exactly the same, but everything else is different because of my ability compared to his ability, you know? And of right. course, when you run a stage, how fast you can pull the trigger is going to make that determination of how you're going to move. You well, know? we're shooting different divisions too. And, and right. there's, there's a lot to consider. Yeah. And I'll, I'm always hesitant to, to help people actually with stage plans. Right. So just because more, of that yeah <laughs> but you know I'm, I'm more like okay cool you know you know like when you turn around and you look at it the more time you put into something the better it's going to be sure. but i was beating myself up for the longest when it comes to stage planning but the one thing that actually made sense to me when i sat down and i thought about it pretty much was how can i run this stage because not everybody on this stage we're looking at right now has a bullet in their back not everybody you know had the head concussion from an explosion over in iraq you know not everybody has the secret stash of green frogs in their range bag no no <laughs> you know so that's where everybody's lacking yeah so when i when i looked at it from that standpoint now i made whatever works at that moment for me and I literally sat down and it was at a CSRE match when I made this determination. If it was a fight right now, no two people would want to fight the same. You have to compliment that fight on your um, strengths, not your what, Yeah. What you've trained in, what you're, what you're good at and, and what you're comfortable with. Yeah. So for me throwing um, an uppercut with my, left hand i know that's more powerful than you know leaning in exposing my jaw with an uppercut with the right hand why would i keep doing it with the right hand if somebody else is kept doing it with the right hand <laughs> doesn't doesn't add up you know what i'm saying so that's when i believe stage planning for me just took off you know mm -hmm. but looking back at the shooting aspect and everything and of course, when you're doing the stage planning, I'm looking at it from the standpoint, okay, this compliments me. Let me do X, Y, Z. I can do this, right? But then, of course, what, what do they always say? You make the plan, but when the buzzer go off, something else happens, you know? So if you're already debating against yourself on a, on a stage plan, if you didn't run it through your mind a couple times over, just like when we did the Toys for Tots um, match. After I did a reload, there was one point where it looked like I hit the brakes real hard. And when I did that, when I looked at the target, when I hit the brakes, I thought that was a target that I didn't shoot from that one position you had to shoot at. But then it, it, it realized like, oh, well, no, you already shot the one that you couldn't see, but this is one you got to shoot now. So it, it kind of messed me up in that respect. But well, that, you know, it happens. Yeah, yeah, it does. You know, but but going into the journal, I do believe the journal is 
a positive factor that will help you with shooting. I also believe the journal is, it has its pros and it has its cons, the devil's advocate, as we're going to say. Just like you said in a past interview, like the camera was a distraction for you at first until you yeah. got used to it off mm -hmm. of your ability getting better. I believe mm -hmm. that's how the journal is, you know? So once, I believe now if I was to go into the journal and start writing more entries, I will feel more comfortable with it because of the fact I can analyze myself better than I could a few months ago. I've been wanting to um, actually get in touch with Steve Anderson and ask him about that, uh, or, or not about that, what you said, but about when I come back from match not feeling like I have any positive things to record in the journal, you know, mm -hmm. immediately. If there's something, you know, if there's another way to think about it or another way to approach that or, or how should I approach that? And the way I've been approaching it now is not writing in it because I do know that, that the goal is not to just to be full of, of positive information. So if I don't have positive information to write in there, I just don't write anything. <laughs> well, <you laughs> Until I feel gotta, like I can. Yeah. Well, you also got to remember a negative can be a positive because I believe when you fail, failing is nothing more than an avenue of learning. It's a learning. Oh, moment. sure. Yeah. 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 You know, so of course you do something, oh, well, you know, not to do that again, or mm -hmm. you know yeah. how to make it better or how to approach it in a systematic measure, you know? So, you know, yeah. So even when you sit there and you look at it, okay, you didn't do something so well, but you can at least find three things you did right within a mistake, you know, because yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not going to be like one flowing mishap it's going no. to be there's always, there's always some good things that you've done yeah so it's, it's, it's just a bad decision you made but the actions associated with it you can actually pull out the good in it i think with the with the nationals it ah, man i don't know it's such an important match for me and i was really expecting to to do better than i did i was just I didn't, too, I, too hard on myself i believe and, and it it weighed on me for for a while before I started being just comfortable with what happened. Yeah. When I went into nationals, I didn't know what to expect, but I do know I put way too much stress on myself, you know, before even stepping foot in Florida, driving to nationals, right? It started here in Columbia, South Carolina, whereas looking at everything and overanalyzing and now, you know, like, why did I make changes to my sites? You know, I haven't done it all year, but I did it for this one match. Why? <laughs> you know, so it, it is what it is. But like I said, it's, it's a learning lesson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely is. But guess what I did um, last week? Re-zero your sites? Yep. I took it out. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I took it out to 75 yards. Uh, I'm at 75 feet, which is 25 yards. And actually felt very comfortable with how I shot it. So I'm not changing the sights no more for the rest of the year. Good. <laughs> it's going to stay like that until I, nationals. I had to change my site recently because my red dot quit working. Right. That's CSRA shooters. Mm -hmm. um, probably the worst stage possible. 
No, but, uh, that's not good. Was, that now, was, was it, beforehand, you thought it was just a battery, but it was actually. I did. I thought about it, you know, because I was seeing it flicker like during dry fire. Hmm. When, I'd, when I'd throw a reload and I'd come back up on target, the dot would be gone. And then I'd tap it and it would come back on. So I was like, well, maybe it's a battery. So I changed the battery and it would work for a couple of days and then and then it would start flickering again and then I, I did i while i was experiencing this in dry fire i shot a couple matches and i didn't have any problems with it like i didn't notice any flickering or anything like that hmm. so I, I didn't think a whole lot about it until csre shooters last or last match it just stopped after the second target it went away and then i was left with 15 yard partial targets and 15 yard swingers and, oh. <laughs> and i was just like shooting at the target and pointing in the general area <laughs> oh man it didn't go very well but um. yeah. oh man that sucks you know so are you going to get a, the same exact site or do they make that anymore? Or yeah, so I had another one. I actually have three of them. So, but I took that one off. I sent it back. It's gonna get new electronics in it, and I just I put another one on, and yeah. re zeroed it, and I'm good now. But no. yeah, that's an electronic sight on a handgun. That stuff just happens. Yeah, you know the the constant vibration, you know, going back and forth, and especially moving hard and fast as it's moving, it's going to take its wear. Yeah, time. it's tough. Yeah, so, but I'm actually looking forward to um, head down to Florida this weekend and see what actually transpires from this match. Um, once again, I'm not going into the match with any expectations. I'm just going to shoot, have fun, and see where I place. And I'm hoping it's a little bit better than I did at Area 6, and I think I did fairly well at Area 6, meaning that there was higher caliber shooters there at area six and for me to even still come in at the 58 percentile i felt that was an accomplishment for me this is good um we shoot around in this area with with really some of the best shooters in the country i mean our area matches are pretty well stacked like the national championship a lot of the time i mean you're shooting with the same guys that are going to be winning the nationals Right. Or, you know, up in the top five of the nationals are all around here in area five, area six. Mm -hmm. uh, most, you know, for the most part. Um, yeah, we got we have some competition around here for sure. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And another thing I like to do is I like to shoot with the older generation of shooters, even though a lot of people discard the older generation they have so much knowledge to pass down. And even when you look at somebody. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. You know, it's like you could pick up so much just by looking at them, but a lot of people just, oh, they just discard them. And I was like, mm -mm, nope, that's knowledge right there to be oh, gained yeah. and held. Absolutely. They've, they've been around it for years. They know they've tried it. They know what works and what doesn't. Yeah. Oh, one other thing I forgot to mention at the beginning of the show, East Alabama Gun Club that is there in the Phoenix City, Alabama area, close to Fort Benning, they're having an RO class 9 through 10 January. And I encourage everybody in that area, if you're listening in that area, or help pass the word that they're doing this at East Alabama Gun Club as an RO class from 9 to 10 January. 
I believe in order for the sport to continue, you need more people to understand the rules and make it happen. Just don't show up at a match and you can learn the rules that way, but actually get the certification, the tag, so you can better speak it, you know, so mm-hmm. you get, you know, versatile with the, um, the language of the sport. Because we already know if you go to a match here in South Carolina and then go to a, that match, a USPSA match in North Dakota, the rules are still going to be the same. There's no variant, no swinging in between the lines or anything. The rules are just what they are. But that's USPSA. And that's one of the things that's great about our organization. You know what to expect no matter where you go in the country. Mm-hmm. So if anybody is interested in this RO class at East Alabama, East Alabama Gun Club, contact Ali Howe at films at tds.net. That's films, F-I-L-M-S, at TangoDeltaSierra.net. And her name is Ali Howe. RO class from 9 through 10 January, taking place at East Alabama Gun Club. So I had fun when I went to my RO class. I went to two RO classes within a year. And I felt confident coming out of the first RO class it's just I don't feel like I retained as much information because I almost felt overwhelmed because I was focusing on stuff that happened to me at matches versus the information that was being delivered. So I went January one year and then the following year, which was last year when they did it in Charleston, South Carolina, and I went to that one also. So, and that second one I went to, it just opened my mind a little bit more when it came to shooting. So, yeah, it helps you as a shooter, if nothing else. It helps you, you know, understand the rules better and, and, you know, gives you more options for stage planning. And, you know, if you get occasionally, you know, somebody can make a bad call on a shot or something and you know the rules well enough to where you can say, hey, that's, you know, within the rule set or whatever yeah it helps you all around as a shooter and you know then you can help and give back to the sport and uh, you know help as a range official so like i said i'm all for it and either way you look at it in order for the sport to continue but i do believe what's going to end up taking place and it might not be before we finish shooting the sport but i do believe when the sport continues, what's going to end up taking place when you go to a match, it's going to be one of those events whereas the officials are getting paid to do it, even though it's volunteer mm. right now. I foresee that coming. That's that's the IPSIC style, I think. Um, oh, they actually get paid? I uh, believe, yeah, the major um, IPSIC matches. Mm. I think you have officials that are just – they're there to run, you know, matches and reset stages. The, the shooters are not allowed to touch anything. Oh, wow. Well, you, I never shot an Ipsic match, so <laughs> that would be something. And I heard people talk about it, whereas some of the rules in regards to it, like when you leave out of the shooting area, like you can't leave and get to another position and shoot from a different position. If you leave the shooting area, you got to come back into the shooting area from that same 
point or something. Yeah, yeah. You don't have as much freedom to run out of the shooting area as we do in USPSA. There's a little bit different rules. They're very similar, but right. Some some are a little different. Yeah, and like I said, overall, just the competition aspect. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. But only way you get better at it is by doing it and reading the rules. Yep. <laughs> I was gonna go. <laughs> so this week, I don't think we're gonna have an interview. You know, a guest speaker coming in. But we're going to pick it up next week just only because of the fact we got to get ready to go down to Florida to shoot the section down there. But do you have any more videos you want to share? I do. Yeah. Just because we're talking about the Florida match. And um, (laughs) this is one, this is one from a few years ago, but I, it was just another one that was a lot of fun. So the um, you had to uh, the stages set up with phone booths that you had to, that was your shooting area. There were like four or five different phone booths set up on the stage. And that was where you had to shoot from. Mm-hmm. And most of the uh, windows of the phone booth were closed. You had to grab a phone off the side of the phone booth and, and pull the phone and the cord from the phone drop down or, or made the window drop down. So where you can engage targets and you had to wear a Superman cape while you're doing this so i was trying to run as fast as i could between the uh phone booth so the cape would would stand out and was fly back behind me it was just a silly stage and it was a lot of fun shoot it i'm gonna gonna share that yeah i think we did a stage at mid-carolina but it was like a cash register stage whereas you had to open the cash register and the gun was there yeah that awesome superman cape It looks like a great Halloween outfit. <laughs> There's the phone booth. Oh, that one was actually open, but <laughs> a couple of them are open. We had to grab the phone on that one. <laughs> open the window. <laughs> I don't know. This is not, this stuff's silly, but it's a lot of fun. Now, did this phone activate anything? Yeah, that oh, one did. Swinger. It activated the swinger. Okay. <laughs> yeah well, i don't know that was just one i wanted to share it's okay yeah. but those of you who are listening on the actual audio podcast if you head on over to the m-w tactical youtube page and you can see this video whereas dave is looking like somebody's uncle out there <laughs> with his cape on <laughs> running around answering phones with a gun in his hand <laughs> Super now I'm Superman. What are you talking about? Somebody's uncle. That's Super Dave. Super Dave. Yep. That's it right there. Um, so when you did that match, what year was that? 2017. Oh, so, okay. so that was a few years ago. Yeah. So now I want to say when I did my first couple matches, like back in the 2015 area moving forward. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to see less props like that, you know. And, well, that that yeah, you know, which is that that was a special match. Yeah, <laughs> but, I'm pretty sure y'all had like a lot of great laughs about. Oh it. yeah, absolutely. That was you know, and that's one of the reasons I like that match a lot. It's silly. Right. That stuff doesn't really have a place in like any kind of championships or or whatever. But right. it's fun. And that's what the match was meant to be. It was just meant to be fun. 
Now, I was wondering off of that match alone because of where the phone was situated. And you notice how you kind of put the phone up in the corner when you answered the phone to activate. Or my gun. I stuck my gun up in the corner so I wouldn't accidentally sweep myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, how many people didn't do I that? There were I, at least one. There was one person on our squad that did. Swept, yeah. swept yourself doing that. Yeah. And, and I think that's one thing with the props also, whereas it can be looked at as a negative because now when people start doing the comparison, you know, well, sure. this right here is a trap or, you know, however they say it. It's but. not, yeah, it's not a shooting challenge when you're doing stuff like that. And, right. and I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. But that match was always meant to be silly with crazy props and I always knew that going into the match. And I don't, I didn't care. I liked it. It was fun. <laughs> That's it right there. So I think um, what's going to take place next week, we're going to bring back the interview portion of the M-W Tactical Podcast, because like we said beforehand, we had to get ready to head down to Florida this week. So it's just going to be me and the mad scientist sitting right here talking and everybody listens to the commercial breaks in between the conversation pieces. But I am trying to get Coach B on to an interview what? yes dealing with coach b and her schedule is mainly like dealing with an a-list celebrity man <laughs> i gotta jump through loops to try to get a microphone and her and talk to her people yeah i gotta talk to her people to talk to my <laughs> people to make this work <laughs> so um we're gonna get her on here one of these weeks but we have a lineup of other people also within the shooting community that we want to bring on. Also, here within the next upcoming weeks, we're going to bring Nancy Grunnett back onto the show. And for those of you who listened to season two, she was on the show speaking about her perspective of shooting. She actually does competition shooting and she widened her horizons within competition shooting as well. So I want to bring her on and check out her podcast also. And I always butcher the name. So I'm gonna let Dave say it. So I won't butcher it. What is, what is that? No, see <laughs> the name of their podcast. Yes. It's Sunday, S- Sunday morning. Mo- morning training group. Yeah. You see, I was always saying Sunday morning brunch group. <laughs> well, that sounds good too. Yeah, but... <laughs> Sunday morning brunch is great. <laughs> and when somebody had asked me about it, that's what I said. But then I had to think about it and I hurry up and looked it up. And I was like, no, 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 it's actually this. And he was like, oh, okay. Well, I was about to look at the wrong thing. I was like, yeah, my bad. So Sunday morning training group. Training group. Yeah, there we go. So go check out uh, Nancy, Stephanie, and Travis Pew Pew Crane. And they're the actual three hosts of that podcast. So they've actually invited me to be on the episode after we get back from the Florida section championship. Nice. Nice. So we definitely got to so, check that one out. Maybe I'll be on there. Yeah, we'll see. definitely got to check. <laughs> Hopefully Travis ain't giving you a hard time. On the microphone. Oh, I'm sure he will. <laughs> what it is but we're actually going to go ahead and get all three three of them onto the show not at the same time but it's going to be separate points so we can actually get all their perspective from the shooting of what they're doing because as we stated beforehand nancy was shooting limited 
And then she went through two different guns within the last six months. And then she went to a different division um, altogether. So I'm not going to ruin it by telling you what's up. You have to come back to the podcast and actually listen to the interview portion of that. Whereas Stephanie did the same thing, but the division that she went into, I think if she had her choice at the beginning between the two, she would have went to the division she's currently in now. And then our buddy Travis, he is just sticking with revolvers and don't want to come back to limited. So we, we're going to work on that. So I think green frogs might help him convert over to. Oh, they might. I didn't think about that. Yeah, man. You just got to squat up with him and be like, oh, turn the range back. What'd you sign up for? <laughs> um, no, go, go change it. Green frogs. <laughs> All right. So um, you have anything else you want to close out the show with? Yeah, I do want to mention um, the, um, once again, the uh, Toys for Tots match that uh, I just shot at Palmetto Gun Club. Chad Bennett's the uh, new match director there. And that was, it was actually the first match of the year and the last match of the year, just because of the time frame it took place in December. But it, um, he's planning on continuing that in 2021. Um, so they're in um, Charleston, South Carolina. We're, we're five fun stages, man. We raised some more money for the uh, Marine Corps uh, Toys for Tots um, charity there That's and awesome. had a great time shooting at, at uh, Palmetto Gun Club. So next year, um, go, go check out his matches. Yeah, that's, that's always good to raise more money and toys for the kids. So, oh, yeah, definitely. But let me ask you this. Do you think Palmetto Gun Club is able to house – a state match or an area match? Mm, they definitely are. We've had the state match there several times before. Uh, yeah. They have, they actually, I'm probably wrong on this, but I think over the last two years, they put like $85,000 into berm and bay reconstruction and then and, and the range there. I may be wrong, but it's several thousand dollars. And this was the first time that I've been back since they've done all that work. Right. And um, I actually shot a state match there a, f- a few years ago. Um, and then they, they, they did a lot of um, reconstruction work. And, they, and the bays look great. Their um, grass is, is starting to grow in the bottom of, the, you know, the, the bottom of the bays. It's, it's looking good. It's really good. They've got a nice facility there. They have other stuff there, too. They have a, I want to say it's like an 800-yard uh, rifle bay. And they've, they've got a lot of other, other stuff there. It's a big range, good facility. Yeah, uh, I went out there one time this year. Was it last year? It was right after the construction was finished. Mm-hmm. But then it seemed like when it was raining all the time, the match would always cancel because of the rain. It's mud, yeah. You know, and they, it was getting they wanted, muddy. Yeah, they didn't want to like risk anybody getting hurt. You know, twisting an ankle or anything like that. So they actually stop shooting matches out there for a while but i'm glad to hear that chad is picking it back up yeah man it's a, it actually rained the day before the match and um it, it absorbed pretty well it wasn't it wasn't near as muddy as sharpshooters get so it, oh, wow. oh. it was a little bit soft and squishy in places but it was fine it oh was, so the it, drainage it, is good out there yeah it, it's, it's improved a lot nice nice well that's good to hear all right so Let's go ahead and um, fade on out. 
and get on the road here shortly. Well, we'll be coming back from this trip <laughs> by the time this is being played. But yeah, we got to go ahead and finish packing it up and head on down there to Florida, shoot this match, and then we'll come back and tell you what actually took place with us at the match. And then, of course, check out the videos that we're going to put up on the um, Instagram and Facebook pages as well. This one to be fun. Oh, yeah. So without further ado, please stay in your seats and hear our few words from our sponsors. Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business and I look forward to seeing you soon. Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunters HD Gold. If you've never tried Hunters HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm gonna be, come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. Find out why shooters across the United States are changing the Hunters HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon. The Gun Cleaners. Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially with concealed carry. The gun cleaners. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there. The gun cleaners. And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result, is another and you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there. Order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com. Thank you for taking the time to hang out with us on the M-W Technical Podcast. Remember, a new podcast comes out every Tuesday. If you can't wait for Tuesday, go listen to past episodes to catch up on what you missed. Make sure you visit www.m-wtactical.com and see what all is offered on the site where you can even purchase M-W Tactical apparel. But please, go to our Facebook and Instagram page and follow us on our journey in the sport of competition shooting and the realm of the two-way community. Until next week, keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun.